0: in First John chapter 5, and we're going to kind of go through this uh, a little slowly, one little chunk at a time, um, and learn. Uh, if anyone's willing to read, anybody who's uh, listening to the recording can grab their Bible and read along, or uh, search for the online Bible and read along, but uh, we're going to start with chapter 5 verses 1 through 5. Do I have a... Volunteer reader. So we're going to see that faith is an expression of love and obedience as we move forward in here. Um, one of the, one question I would have to ask, and I, I'm hoping most of us would have the same answer, but there's, there's other things. There's uh, what, what do you have absolute confidence in? Something you have absolute confidence in. Now, the, the obvious Sunday school answer would be Jesus. <laughs> but uh, I think you could have confidence in other things. Like, I have confidence that man will always be corrupt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't say good confidence. I just said true. confidence. I, I, I do. And we'll always mess it up. Bottom line, that is it. Yeah, in, anything you could truly have good confidence in uh, being a good thing would be Jesus Christ. That's definitely true. God's, God's promises are absolute, He never fails. He doesn't lie, He makes a statement. It may take longer than most of us like, <laughs> but He comes through. Now John said that God commands. God's commands are not burdensome, but they bring victory to the one who lives in them. Again, means uh, sorry. Again, the means of victory is faith, and that I mean we don't have victory outside of faith. Why might God's commands seem burdensome to unbelievers, but not to Christians? So one thing that popped in my head when actually when you were first answering the question was a statement that Jesus made to the woman at the well that we worship what we know is true and you worship what you don't know you don't understand so they don't understand who they're actually worshiping they don't understand who their focus is actually on Um, they just know what feels good to them and for those of us who know Christ and uh, know God and have our relationship and we recognize and identify ourselves as his sons and daughters, um, we have a desire to please him. We have a desire to love him. And, and here it spills out how we love him. And, um, in the first verse, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and whoever loves the Father Loves the children born of him, and so the, essentially, we as Christians <coughs> love other Christians. Now that doesn't mean we have to like everybody that's a Christian, because well, we, 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 we love them as a human created by our God, but not the sin that any of us. Yeah. So, and, you know, we're never going to
1: follow that path.
0: We wouldn't wish ill of them. We would. We would want the redemption. best for yeah, them, yeah. redemption and, for and, them, and sanctification mm-hmm. for, for all. So we don't have to, you know, live through the discipline of being disobedient. Right, and then we're going to get into that. Did you read this? <laughs> yeah, I caring for their well-being um, sometimes, I mean, as, as parents, most parents would understand this, caring for the well-being sometimes means doing or giving or supplying something the child does not want and fights and pushes back against. Um, but it, you know better than them, what is best for them, uh, whether it be their their physical health, mental health, um, uh, their well-being as a whole. Um, But but for them, they just know what they want right now and what they don't want right now. And and so uh, sometimes loving someone means doing or saying something they don't want done or said. uh, but it, it's, it's for their best and it's not done out of spite or judgment. It's done out of love. Um, and that's a, it's an important thing to, to separate and understand uh, that uh, Christians tend to be identified as judgy, uh, but we're not to judge the world. But Paul does talk about uh, judging our fellow believers, not necessarily in a manner of um, being hateful about it, but in the manner of correction and so i think it's important to identify as brothers and sisters that this is love and and love is not the easiest thing community is important and god knows that that's why he i mean he's, he's no fool <laughs> he, he, it's like you will get together you will do this and it's not even so much that the uh, non-believers don't know the rules i think it really comes down to they don't know our God the ruler. yeah they don't know the ruler uh, I mean w- once you get to know God all of a sudden those rules they they seem less burdensome and it, it's the sin that becomes the burden and and now it's that is what hinders us not so much the desire for it but, but, but I do the think fact the that it keeps returning denser denser. Right es- essentially that. the world has overcome um, society um, but like in in verse 5 of chapter 5 who is the one who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. And, then, and so we, we, we're not as easily influenced by the world anymore. Uh, we're influenced by God. And, and when we are corrected in Christ, when, when it is pointed out to us in Scripture that we have done something wrong or that we are starting to sway in the way of the world, um, it, it brings about in a healthy Christian uh, correction. Brings about uh, a sense of repentance and, and leaving that mindset to follow God's word accurately. And That brings us into verse six through twelve. I'll tell you what, God's word is just packed full of stuff in small spaces. <laughs> it's, it's the first zip drive right here. It's compact. Just so much stuff in here. Uh, verses six through eight uh, tends to be a little bit. There, there's a debate on how to translate those, that particular thing, and and honestly, it's one of those things where I think that kind of stuff is put in there just so that we dig and dig and dig and dig because you know, somebody's going to have a different opinion and it's going to cause you to want to find the truth and dig into the truth. Um, some people will just read over it and move on. But, uh, there, there's a a lot of different scholars that interpret the, the blood, the spirit and the water differently. Uh, And so, um, it's something that we can discuss, but, um, I got three passages to read. Um, we got Matthew 3:13 through 17, Matthew 27, 45 through 54, and John 19:28 through 37. At what point in Jesus life did this testimony, testimony concerning him come? What was the testimony? Who gave it? Okay, at what point in Jesus' life did this testimony concerning him come? Beginning beginning of his earthly ministry. And what was the testimony? I, I, I identified that as God was actually the one, because He He was, the testimony was, this is my son. Matthew 27, 45 through 54. All right, at what point in Jesus' life did this testimony Concerning him, come at the end of his earthly life, yeah. Yeah, uh, and uh, what was the testimony he was the son of God. that he was the son of God and who gave it? Mm-hmm. The, centurion. the centurion, uncircumcised, <laughs> <laughs> the gentile. <laughs> gentile. Uh, he, it was mentioned that uh, a father, when mourning his son at that time, would rip his clothing and God ripped the veil that was covering him in the temple the tabernacle. Uh, that, that's very interesting. Um, all right. And then John 19, 28 through 37. So at what point, again, in, is this the uh, testimony concerning him? At what point in Jesus' life? Is it? He's physically dead. He has breathed his last. He's dead. Uh, what was the testimony? The soldier testified that that this is uh, a fulfilled testimony, really. Not just a testimony, a fulfilled prophecy. prophecy again, like a that, that the Christ would not have broken bones and that he would be pierced and that the ones who pierced him would gaze upon him. But, and and, like I say, even drinking the, the vinegar. So there's there's several spots the testimonies that, that are professing that Jesus is the son of God um, and, and some are uh, uh, much more powerful than others like God <laughs> you think that'd be enough that you know the father's like this is my son and you know, that'd be enough but um, or his yeah, when they profess that this is God and they're the ones who killed them mm-hmm. can you imagine the fear of oh. That would like overtake the, yeah. you when you're like, ah, truly, this was the son of God. Yeah, it's like, we uh, in trouble. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think the repentance issues right then. And, uh, I I was <laughs> just remember, God, we're just doing what we're told. <laughs> All right, so in the quarter, they, they got a, a little question for us to ponder uh, and talk about. According to your friend, Harry... Common, common sense says that there must be some sort of bedroom community outside the walls of heaven, a place for people you'd never call saints, but you are certain, certainly not bad enough to be sent to hell. How would you explain to Harry that you either accept or reject God in this life, and that affects where a person spends eternity there is no middle ground or semi-saint hotel well, that's the scripture is very clear mm-hmm. that, that there's two locations there's two locations mm-hmm. and and that it's it's set and Like and it's your choice yeah, and it's that's the thing it's your choice yeah. and it's like okay well who wouldn't make the choice and then you look around and there's a lot of people mm-hmm. not making that choice and it's like what's wrong with you um and they just think we're crazy. And, and, and that's, again, they just they don't, know. They don't know. I'm going to take this last passage, chapter 5, 13 through 21. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the conf- confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask we know that we have the uh, requests which we have asked for him from him if anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death he shall ask and god will for him give life to those who commit sin not leading to death there is a sin leading to death i do not say that he should make request for this all unrighteousness is sin and there is a sin not leading to death we know that no one who is born of God sins but he who has he who was born of God keeps him and the evil one does not touch him we know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one and we know that the Son of God has come and and has given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. So there, there's a statement that John makes several times in here that I think is a... a key statement and he says it over and over and over again that is we know we know and we know and he says it over and over and over again it it's not we think it's not we've been told it's not we assume it's we know it's a certainty it's like a, yeah. excuse.
1: It's a we know <laughs> it's a said.
0: certainty it's a certainty we absolutely know. Um, so we have in the quarterly here, they call it an assurance scale. I'm not a huge fan of these kind of things, but I thought it was interesting for us to at least ponder. So this isn't something to answer out loud, but something for you to think about. It's got a scale of uh, 1 to 5 to 10. One being fearfully uh, un- uncertain five being almost certain, ten being unquestionably certain. And the question is, um, on this scale, where do we stand in regard to our own sense of assurance of salvation? And I know that this is something that a lot of people battle with and struggle with on whether or not they are saved, especially I've noticed with people who actually grow up going to church um, uh, a lot of the kids that I've worked with that grew up going to church this is something that would tug a string for them um, a lot of the kids I've talked to they're like I don't even know I grew up doing this is this my parents thing do I actually believe this what's my faith at I don't know and that's the thing that they struggle with it's a real, real thing um, uh, I, I can certainly say I stand on 10 I, I'm 100% saved. I, I don't doubt it at all. Not, not a shroud of doubt there. Uh, years and years yes. and years. But before and so, Christ and Christ addressed yes. it, that's like, stop adding. Yeah, stop adding. You're, You're making it complicated. We're all good. making it complicated. In here, it's like, okay, it, asks a, it gives a list of things and says, what, what will increase your assurance of salvation? I'm not going to read that list because I think it's nonsense. Um, but... It's it's a good question to ask that follows how much of your assurance of salvation depends upon the performance as a Christian, and this is this is a solid question because that banks exactly on what your people think that they have to do something. Yeah, the whole the whole I mean, point is that it's not us that, that does it. We can't do it. Yes, That's see, the point. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's and, ridiculousness. and Scripture is very clear about that. You it here's here's a bunch of rules. These are here to show you you can't do it, but this is what you have to meet. You can't. You can't do it. So here's here's a system that in play to show you how I'm going to resolve this. That's, I mean, God is very clear. You can't do it. You want to do it. You can't do it. Uh, but here, if you really want to do it, this is what you have to do. See? You can't do it. No matter how hard you try. Oh, look, you're twisting and changing the rules. See? You can't do it. <laughs> you just can't, and, and and so it's it's like our human nature. No, I've got this. I've got this, and it's very much a man thing. I got this. I got yeah. If you can ask God for anything, what would it be? How could you be certain your request falls within the boundaries of God's will? It's in the book. It's in the Bible. Uh, when I think an important prayer. Um, that everyone can constantly pray and and ask for is to be in God's will and and to seek God's will I mean constantly asking God what's your will what do you want done uh, what should I be praying for you know God knows and and as long as we stick to scripture and we follow scripture and we read God's word he'll he'll communicate he'll he's got this is packed full of stuff I, I've gone over verses, so many times in my life and it's like i didn't see that before and then john 3:16 can blow you away still you know you've heard kids say it over and over and over again and it's like wow and, and god's worried about the salvation of the world yes, he yeah. is and people so none right and so yes. you should be praying for people to find christ you should be praying for uh, Christians uh, that should that uh, are dealing with sins that they can get out of that sin nature, get out of that sin repetition. That he comes back quickly and rules and reigns and restores. Pray for his return, uh, and as many people get saved before that point as humanly, po- uh, as godly possible. <laughs> the person who is born of God does not. Uh, casually continue in sin and that's why we should pray for brothers that are sinning because when when you are uh, a believer you don't just sin and be like ah that's that's that it's not a casual thing for us when 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 it does happen it's like shame it's it's you feel the disconnect from the holy spirit almost it's almost like god's like ah how do you like this Boom, and there's like a wall, and it's like, ah, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> it you can, you can, it's not a casual thing. It's a painful thing when we, when we sin as, as believers. Uh, non believers, it feels good. They don't feel any difference because they haven't experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I think a good practice that we can always have when we're talking to brothers who are in sin, sisters who are in sin, uh, even people who don't believe in Christ that come and talk to us about our salvation is to not, not, Tell them what we think, but tell them, like John was saying there, we know this, and always answer with what we know. If you throw out a guess, then you can really cause problems, and I know that in the past I would always try to answer, always try to answer, and it came to a point where I finally matured and I had to learn to say, I don't know that one. I'll have to get back to you on that Um, and only say what I know. And I think that's important to, to only talk what you know. And the only way you're going to know is if you're in God's word and you're digging it like a miner looking for gold or looking for diamonds. You are you are searching for the riches that are in there because it's there. It, 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 I mean It's deep. It's deep. Um, and I feel our, our church is very good about praying. Very good about praying for each other. Very good about praying for um, our country, for our leaders. Even when we don't agree with them, we pray for them. Um, And I feel that we're doing very good at that. And I would encourage to keep doing that. And that would be my conclusion for this lesson.